This is The Real Estate Rookie, episode 233. Yeah, I think it was just, I think I saw the opportunity. So I looked, I kind of looked at the sales price history of that property and the surrounding properties in that area. And I saw that they were on an upwards trend. And of course, we probably couldn't have foreseen the appreciation that would have come in the year following. But I think I just kind of saw the trend and I saw those on, on the up and up. And I just thought, you know, believe it or not, it's actually only about 30, 40 minutes from the Hamptons. So it's very... A black and white scenario where you have like such a bad area and, and a very good area very close to it um so uh you know I, I took the chance it was definitely a risk my name is ashley care and i'm here with my co-host tony robinson and welcome to the real estate rookie podcast where every week twice a week we give you the inspiration motivation and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey and i want to start today's episode by shouting out some very uh, a very special listener who left us a, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This week's review comes from Jess Haas, and Jess says, start here with like five exclamation marks. This is hands down the best place to start your real estate journey from the mini-sodes on Saturdays to the guests. Everything is pure gold. Jess, we appreciate you. And for all of you listening, if you haven't yet left us an honest rating review on Apple Podcasts, please do. The more reviews we get, the more folks we can help. And that is our first and always biggest goal here at The Real Estate Rookie. So, Ashley Care, what's up? How are you doing today? Not much. Um, super excited. Today, I submitted my final edits on my manuscript. So, haven't really told a lot of people because <laughs> I didn't know if I'd ever finish it. But uh, yeah, so coming out January 2023 is going to be a there new book go. that I wrote. Congratulations. <sighs> Ashley, so podcast host published author and professional hula hooper all coming together. <laughs> and bull rider. Don't forget that. Too. <laughs> and bull rider. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, I'm, I'm super happy for you, Ashley. I'm excited to, to get my so hands much. in the book and the world's going to love it, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you very much. What about you, Tony? What's new? You got your vacation coming up very well deserved and what else? We got vacation, but it's always weird before vacation because you're like scrambling to get everything done. So Ash and I were talking yeah. before we started recording how we both pulled like all nighters <laughs> last night. It's like we're in college or something again, trying to study for a, for a final, but yeah, we're just, we're moving along. We, um, we onboarded a new assistant. So she kind of started last month, but this week was like her first like full week working with us. So um, you know, when you first hire a new team member, it almost, there's like more work initially just getting them trained up and, you know, eventually they'll, they'll kind of be off and running. So we've just been a little all over the place this week. Well, we have a great episode for you guys today. Um, the first thing is Tony, once again, finds a reason to talk about his street for tree for <laughs> whatever. I still don't even know what the actual name of the city is in Louisiana. And we actually kind of go into a rabbit hole about insurance in this episode. But I, I think it's uh, definitely worth listening, especially after we're hearing the impact of what has happened from Hurricane Ian down in Florida and just how your insurance can change and things you guys should be aware of and uh, know as uh, you know an investor for your properties, things to be aware of. But we have Logan on the show today. So he is only 21 years old and he is so cool. I mean, just listening to all the things he's done already at the age of 21, um, I think it's really remarkable. Yeah, Logan's going to teach you how to, and and not just do this anywhere, but how to do this in, a, in an expensive market. He's going to show you how you can buy properties with no W-2 job, uh, no tax returns, and no car. <laughs> yeah. and so this this kid's incredible, man. And, and I think regardless of what age you are, uh, you will really get inspired and motivated by hearing his story. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the BiggerPockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O-Retirement.com. 
or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Yeah, so before we bring Logan onto the show, we would love for you guys to join the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group. We have over 50,000 members in the group right now, and it's a great place to get your questions asked, to share your wins, but also to help other people and answer some questions too. So make sure you join the Facebook group if you guys haven't already. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you guys can watch the Real Estate Rookie podcast and also see um, see these beautiful faces. <laughs> yeah, all of I think the tiredness of the all nighter. I mean, that's the second joke that you pulled today, Tony. <laughs> but you guys can also get to watch our awesome contributors on the Real Estate Rookie um, YouTube channel too. Logan, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie podcast, brother. We're excited to have you, man. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, kind of how you got started in real estate investing, man? Yep. So I think I was bit by the money entrepreneur bug pretty early on. I would say probably before I even reached the age of 10, 11, 12. And, uh, you know, as far as the real estate, that was something that I didn't think was going to happen this soon and early in my life. I really thought that was going to come much later down the road, maybe five, 10 years from now. Um, it was really the pandemic that was kind of the impetus, the motivation to jump right into real estate. I had been studying it uh, for a few years, you know, reading books, watching bigger podcasts, uh, courses, videos. But I took a big hit with my income, uh, mainly due to the pandemic. And that definitely uh, put a dent in me. And, you know, I, I saw that interest rates were at an all time low. I thought now was an opportune time. And I just decided to jump right in. And now I'm here with uh, $1.1 million worth of real estate. And uh, going and growing even more. And how old are you? I'll be turning 22 next month. Oh my gosh. Congratulations, That's Logan. Amazing, that is man. so cool. So when you decided like you're looking at, okay, interest rates are low, everything like that. Was it like, I'm just going to buy a house to live in? Or did you already know, like, I want to do an investment property? It was definitely going to be an investment property, but I had no idea where to start. Uh, you know, there were so many looming fears and the unknown, Maybe I thought I would start with commercial, like a storefront. Maybe I would buy something a couple blocks away from me and just put all the money I had into it. I really didn't know where I was going to start. But mainly for me, I live on Long Island in Nassau County. And obviously, Long Island is one of the most expensive markets in the nation. And so I saw there was an opportunity in the county next to mine, about an hour, hour and a half away. And I saw that prices were much lower there, mainly because it's not the best area. It has a bad reputation. And so that's where I started. I started in that specific city. And that was my first uh, single family residence as my first property. Logan, what, before we go any further, what does your portfolio kind of look like right now? So it consists of a duplex that's local near me, just 10 minutes away. And then the two single families are in that area about an hour and a half away from me. So four units total, three properties. 
Okay. Let's just, let's go back to the, the beginning a little bit. So you were an entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about your first business before you even got into real estate. Then we can kind of go into as to what skills actually transferred over yep. for you. So for me, you know. And when did you start a business if you're 21? When did you start your first <laughs> yeah. business? <laughs> yeah. can, can we talk or look at like, Ash, what were you doing at 21? Um, I was, I had just transferred colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely wasn't running a business. I was <laughs> yeah. interning as an accountant, I guess, while I was going yeah. to college. But Yeah, I think... Uh, my 21st year, I think that's when I almost flunked out of college. I changed my majors like halfway through that year. And I still had aspiring dreams of, uh, of being a hip hop artist. So definitely not, uh, definitely not doing all the cool stuff you're doing, Logan. So yeah, I'm so sorry. Happy. I was, yeah, <laughs> maybe one did. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I actually didn't go to college, but, uh, you know, as far as the first money I ever made, I'm actually a magician. Um, so that's really where I would say my money journey started was doing magic actually. Um, as early as nine, 10 years old, I would do magic on the street and make a few dollars. I remember a $20 tip being the world at the time and I would do gigs and, you know, I started approaching restaurants and that was sort of my first uh, introduction to money, but obviously not having the literacy or knowing what to do with that money or budgeting it or managing it that came a little bit later. Um, but then I started uh, getting into online business. You know, I saw it was possible just naturally through the internet. So I started doing drop shipping, affiliate marketing, email marketing, and, uh, you know, other various forms of selling items I had around the household. And, uh, you know, as far as trying to invest my money and actually grow it, I would say it really started with gambling. Um, I tried gambling with horse <laughs> you racing. Don't, you don't yep. do that very often. <laughs> no, I know. That's where it started really for me. I try to get rich quick too many times, but long-term investing came probably when I was like 17, 18 years old, I decided to start investing in stocks and, and have a, that long-term mindset. Logan, did, do you have like family or a, a mentor or someone that kind of guided you towards real estate or where, like, where do you think this initial interest came from? As far as real estate itself, no one in my family has ever done real estate, not even anyone distant. Uh, it's never been in the family. Uh, the closest that I've ever gotten to uh, you know, money and, and managing and actually trying to do something with money was probably my father. Um, you know, unfortunately, he passed away last year, but uh, he he tried many things online, just like myself. And I don't think he quite got anything to necessarily work in his lifetime. But I think that that bug definitely bit me and, you know, probably was passed on to me through through my, through him. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your father, but I'm, I'm, I'm I guess we can take solace in knowing that some of those lessons that he he passed on to your barren fruit, man. So there, there's always a silver lining there. Um, so you, you talked about, you know, the the magician work earlier in your life, and you're still doing that today, the kind of digital marketing uh, experience that you had. To, to Ashley's question earlier, have any of those skills from those earlier businesses translated into, into the world of real estate investing? Um, you know, I would say that I've definitely made mistakes in, in both areas, real estate and, and uh, the online business in itself. I would probably say that, you know, having that long-term mindset, um, you know, when I first started to build my business, I probably tried too many ways to build it too quickly or, um, you know, try to try to throw money in areas that probably weren't necessarily worthwhile. And I saw, I think that sort of does translate into real estate, um, having that long-term mindset and uh, looking many years down the road and also, you know, potentially moving and managing your money in certain areas that are definitely more necessary and more of a positive return on investment than other ways to, to put your money into a property. Can we touch a little bit, Logan, on, on how you've been able to afford over a million dollars worth of real estate at at you know at any age it's an achievement, but I think especially at, at 21, almost 22 years old. So what like what did that process look like? Was this like your life savings? Were you working with other investors? Just kind of walk us through how someone is able to purchase four units in, in such a short period of time. So yeah, the units, you know, that was purchased in, in under one year. So the actual purchasing was definitely uh, pretty uh, expedited. But as far as the actual building of the money itself, um, you know, that came mostly, mostly from just uh, stack, stacking away my money and hoarding that money every single year. I really tried to be as frugal as possible, a little expenditures here and there, a uh, little splurges, but I really was quite disciplined with investing my money and putting it all into stocks. Um, I just put every nickel I had, tried to throw it away and really keep as little cash as possible. And that was really going to be the plan before real estate was just going to be putting my money in stocks or index funds and maybe in, you know, by the time I reach 40, 50 years old, I will have seven, eight figures worth saved up and real estate probably wouldn't have come for a very long time down the road. But yeah, it was all it was all through just being disciplined with investing and paying yourself first and keeping low credit card debt, open that first credit card after uh, so soon after I turned 18. So that definitely helped. 
but it was all just mainly through online business and, and life savings. Logan, as a, a teenager earning this money, how were you disciplined to not go and spend it? So when I was a teenager, I worked as a waitress and a host, a hostess. And I remember I'd go home with my wad of cash or my tips and I'd count out my money and I'd put it in my save. Then when I went to college, I literally blew through all that money, probably in the first semester. How were you able to stay disciplined to not just go out and spend that money? Yeah, no, I definitely have a few friends that, uh, you know, same story, but as you, but, um, I would probably say that I think I, I screwed up so many times early on and I realized that, you know, I wanted to make that change and, and actually reach financial freedom and I knew what it was going to take. And so I think I had that mindset pretty early on and I think I sort of had that epiphany that in order to make this work and in order uh, to, you know, create the lifestyle that I truly wanted, it wasn't going to happen through spending and wasting your money and having little left over uh, after every month. So I think, you know, the, the dream and having that goal definitely helped in that. And I learned that very early on. I don't think it was luck. I think uh, it was just probably maybe just, you know, my influence and who was around me and uh, probably just what I learned, you know, just learning so much at such a young age. I've been reading books and watching so many courses and, and et cetera, uh, you know, for a very long time. At the Bigger Pockets conference this year, I felt like I heard so many people say the same thing that, if you want to really excel at life, if you want to take it to the next level, if you want to be successful, you need to change the people who are in the same room as you. You don't want to be hanging out with people who are going out partying instead of wanting to plan a business or things like that. You want to keep your friends around you that are doing the same thing as you or you know, even higher and higher than you. And I think that's kind of what you're touching on there is that you surrounded yourself with the right people to get your mindset right and to push you and to achieve you because being around people is contagious. You're going to, you know, get caught into what they're doing or, you know, it's just, you're not going to, you're going to lose focus on what you really want just because you're interacting with other people that don't have that same determination, that same focus to kind of reach and get to the next level. So I had talked, uh, we had Pace Morby on an episode and that should be coming out soon. And he talks about this too, as to how he actually had to like clean house on his circle of friends. And he's like, yeah, that's like a hard thing to do. But, you know, I was really being held back. Um, so I think that's really awesome that at an early age, you surrounded yourself with people who were a good influence on you and who actually helped push you to kind of get to where you are today. Can I add to that, Ash, before we move on? Like, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's, I think at any point in your life, your social circle is so important, especially if you're a newer investor, because even outside of just like the support, the motivation, one of the things you get from your social circle is a new belief system. And I think that's a part that a lot of people overlook. Like if you've never made $100,000 in a single year before, when you start hanging around people who have made six figures, you somehow believe that it's possible. If you've never become a millionaire before, you start hanging around with other millionaires. Now you suddenly believe that's possible. If you have friends that have yachts, right, or private jets, you start hanging around with them. Now you think that that's possible. So it's like even outside of the the support and you know the 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 social aspect of it, I think when you surround yourself with people who are on the same path as you or have achieved the things you want to achieve, one of the biggest benefits you get from that is just the belief system that you can actually follow in those footsteps. Uh, Logan, so with this pile of cash that you have shoved under your mattress at a young age. Did you use this for a down payment? How did you purchase that first property? Was it all cash? How did you work that deal? Yeah. So that was all just accumulated in in brokerage accounts, just sitting there growing uh, on a monthly and annual basis. And as far as the real estate, you know, that first deal, um, I wasn't necessarily exposed to, you know, different times, uh, different types of financing specifically uh, like a hard money or DSCR type of loan. Um, or even if I was exposed to it, I probably wouldn't have done, wouldn't have done it. I probably would have been too fearful to do it. Uh, so I just started with a basic conventional loan, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. But the thing was is that, you know, I was still being declaimed as a dependent on my parents' tax returns. So I didn't necessarily have any tax returns. So I actually had to go out and file two years worth of tax returns, which as you know, uh, New York State, some of the highest income tax in the country in order to qualify and have, you know, show sufficient income on paper to to qualify for that conventional loan. So it was, 
you know, also the accumulation of tons of fees and penalties uh, for paying late and everything like that. So, so you went back actually and took your, and so your parents, did they amend their tax return to no longer have you as a dependent? And then you went and filed for two years prior. Uh, they didn't necessarily amend theirs. It was just my own like schedule C, okay. you know, uh, self-employed income. And that was a hefty hit, you know, probably like forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of taxes. But in hindsight, maybe I would have shown a little bit less income and just did a DC, DSCR loan. Maybe I wouldn't have uh, shown that much income on paper. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that was that was that first deal, a conventional loan, twenty percent down for that single family house. Cool. That's interesting. Like I never thought about that. Is you know, being at an un- young age, not having that income. Um, so what income did you show on there? your income as being a magician or was this even, did you pull money out of the stock market that hadn't been reported that you're reporting now? So I would probably say it was uh, magic income. It was also online business income, affiliate marketing, all that. And I don't think necessarily capital gain showed on that tax return just yet because the money was pulled out after. But yeah, so that was all the income that was shown on there. And, you know, it was a big hit. But I think in hindsight, it definitely was a good decision because I got two conventional mortgages and I might get another conventional mortgage out of it. Awesome. And then, so you did the 20% down. What did your terms kind of look like in that? You had said you noticed interest rates were low. So did you get in at a, a good time? Yep, that was a good rate. I would do anything to get that rate back. It was, oh, it's only three and a quarter, believe it or not, on that first loan. That was last year. And I closed on that property June of 2021. I locked in that rate probably a few months before. And so- do anything to get that rate back. And also, you know, as far as the property itself, the price of that property was only 213000 which at the time I thought I was overpaying for it. And especially in that area, which doesn't necessarily have the best reputation, it's considered like the armpit of Long Island. Uh, at the time, I thought I was overpaying for it. And if you asked other investors in the area, they probably wouldn't have even touched that area. Go ahead, name names. What's what's the name of it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's the Ma- Mastic Shirley area, uh, Mastic <laughs> Beach. It's considered the dump of Long Island, but it definitely is, is growing and appreciating at a high rate right now. How did you kind of work up the courage to invest in an area that has a bad reputation? I feel like most investors want to go to a good area where there's appreciation and tenants. Yeah, I think it was just, I think I saw the opportunity. So I looked, I kind of looked at the sales price history of that property and the surrounding properties in that area. And I saw that they were on an upward trend. And of course, we probably couldn't have foreseen the appreciation that would have come in the year following. But I think I just kind of saw the trend and I saw those on, on the up and up. And I just thought, you know, believe it or not, it's actually only about 30, 40 minutes from the Hamptons. So it's a very uh, black and white scenario where you have like such a bad area and, and a very good area, very close to it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I took the chance. It was definitely a risk. And um, as far as, by the way, on the income, you know, I've, I've dispelled a couple notions so far. Number one, that um, if you're my age, you know, you, you can't invest in real estate. And then also if you didn't go to college, you can't invest in real estate. If you're living on Long Island, you can't invest in real estate. If you don't have any W-2 income, you can't invest in real estate. So I've kind of broken all those barriers. Logan, I, I want to ask a question because you you have you have these four units right now. Are you are you living in any of your investments, or are you still living at home with the folks? What what's the living situation look like right now? Yeah, still living at in the same apartment with my mother. Uh, we we rent. We don't own. So uh, you know, I own everything else though. That, that's like such a unique thing, and I'm I'm glad I asked this question because you obviously have the 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 like financial ability to go out and purchase property, but instead of doing it for like your primary residence, you're doing it to build a portfolio. And I'm seeing this, this theme throughout the conversation, Logan, where you're able to exercise patience and discipline to kind of move towards your goals. And I think that's, that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And people have the maybe financial ability, they have the the mental capacity, uh, they have the technical know-how to become real estate investors, but what they lack is the patience and the discipline to stick with it and execute and do the things they need to do. You're you're staying at home with your mom while you're still building this real estate portfolio. You are super frugal with all this money you're making at a very young age, which most people can't do. There are just all these things that you're doing that show how disciplined and committed you are to your goals. So if there's something for our rookie audience to take away, it's that if you want to be successful, 
there has to be a certain level of sacrifice. You you have to give up something if you want that that bigger reward down the road. And I think you've just done a great job, Logan, of of exemplifying that. I appreciate that, and you know, especially kids my age and you know my generation. I I think I'm kind of going against the grain as far as what I'm investing in because I would imagine that most of my generation is obviously playing around with cryptocurrency and and the next hot thing. And so I could have easily done that. And, you know, I will obviously uh, disclose that I do own a little bit of cryptocurrency, but it's definitely not the majority of my portfolio. Logan, when you say your generation, you mean our generation. You know, <laughs> yeah. Gen Z, Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, so Logan, what do your uh, expenses and your bills look like for yourself? So you're living at home. Do you help your mom? Do you pay a portion of the rent? Um, do you have a car payment? Are you paying insurance? What kind of monthly expenses do you have and what have you decided to kind of cut out of your life to, you know, live so frugally to be able to invest more? Uh, not too much besides the rent. So I actually don't even drive either. So that's another notion uh, dispelled there that if you don't have a car, you can't access uh, real estate. So I, I usually just get a ride from my, my agent or, you know, via an Uber or whatever. But uh, yeah, so I actually I actually pay 100% of the rent here. And obviously, you know, a very expensive market on Long Island, which is tough, but I make it work. Um, you know, unfortunately, my mom, a uh, completely different situation, different scenario. Uh, she did not necessarily follow the same path or the footsteps as I'm doing right now. And so I'm, I'm actually paying 100% of the rent. She helps out a little bit with like, you know, utilities. But other than that, uh, no car payment, no student loans, no debt like that. Logan, how awesome is that, that you get to do that for your mom? Appreciate that. I think that is, you know, in like really proud of you that you want to do that too for her. I mean, not many people at your age or, you know, even at any age can, you know, help their parents out in that sense. So I think that's really amazing that you're doing that. And that's how you're choosing to spend the money. <laughs> like really, that's your only expense that you have. So, um, yeah, that's really awesome. And, uh, that's a, a huge thing. So congratulations on being able to do that. That's definitely a, a huge accomplishment. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. 
Uh, if I can ask one follow up question, Logan, you mentioned that when you when you go visit some of these properties, you either catch an Uber or you have your agent pick you up, and it kind of you know it made me think like, okay, yeah, you're you're working with an agent, and as a as a younger investor, how did you? kind of build that relationship with your agents so that they they kind of took you seriously. I think a lot of new investors, regardless of age, struggle with this imposter syndrome around like, oh man, will this agent really take me seriously? Or will this contractor take me seriously? Or this property management company? Um, so, so what was your approach to kind of building a good relationship and getting that person to, as a 21, 20 years old, maybe at the time, like actually it, you know, them take the time to show you around and pick you up and do all these things. So uh, luckily I haven't run into anyone that's necessarily uh, disowned me or anything like that. Uh, so luckily pretty good relationships all around. I haven't, uh, you know, had anyone doubt me. Um, so, you know, and the agent lives local. So that's not necessarily uh, something that took too much convincing. Uh, they were happy to do it. But I've definitely gotten some eyeballs and, and some, uh, you know, surprise looks and faces when I show up to that closing table and uh, they they see who's closing on that property or the insurance agent, you know, maybe they, they see my birth date or something and they, they definitely make a comment on my age. So I've definitely gotten those. What about your what about your tenants, Logan? Are you are you self-managing and like do you do you have a relationship with them and, and what does that dynamic look like? Yep. So all self-manage right now. I don't know, maybe when I hit ten units, I'll probably move to a property manager. I can't quite make the decision yet. I will see how much I can handle. But a few different stories as far as the tenants, because on the first property, I technically inherited that tenant. So there's a story there. And then the second property, I did inherit a, a tenant for that duplex. So we definitely get into that as well. Well, let's hear the stories, man. Yeah. So the first <laughs> first property, actually, I would say I got pretty lucky. Um, interesting story. Believe it or not, the, the owner that sold it to me actually wanted to stay and live at that property. I think they had some sort of living arrangement set up that they were going to be moving out in six months or a year. And they just wanted to rent the property from me, actually, until they move out. Still, they have not moved out. And it's been a year and a half. And we're actually going to renew that lease next month. But I, I will have to raise rent. And so we'll see what happens there if they choose to renew or not. But yeah, so I did get pretty lucky there. That was pretty turnkey with the tenant set up. And I you know, get to screen them. But luckily, they just closed on that property. And so they did have... Uh, you know, a boatload of funds from closing uh, from selling it to me. So I guess that was kind of a pre-screen. Um, so that's the first one. And the second one of the duplex, one of the units was was occupied, the other one vacant. So I did inherit a tenant there, and that was definitely a risky tenant because tech, I don't even think they're technically documented. Uh, so I, I don't even think they were able to provide a social security number. So I didn't get to screen them. So I've taken a lot of risk all around. You know, between the tenants. Uh, not being screened. And then also, you know, being be, all these properties are in flood zones. So that's definitely a risk as well. So I've definitely taken on uh, some risky situations. Logan, how did you show the vacant unit? Um, did you, you know, set up one showing so you only had to get a ride there once? I figure without a car, it would be somewhat difficult to go there all the time to do showings. So how have you set up your leasing process so that you don't have to actually be at the property all the time. I just went through my broker so that they they show the property, but on that duplex actually specifically, that one is just 10 minutes away from me. So it, would, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal anyways to show it. Uh, the train goes right there. But uh, on the third one, that's like, you know, that, that I bought uh, vacant, uh, that third house. So that was like an hour and a half away from me because it's in that same mastic area. And, you know, again, my broker just showed that one and, and now it's occupied. We got it occupied within a couple of weeks. What was the fee that you paid your broker to do that? Because for I had that before and I think it was one month's rent that we actually paid the agent once they got a tenant in there. Yeah, it was just the one month's rent that the that the tenant pays. And, um, you know, I will say for New York, they have some pretty strict laws in regards to how much you could charge as far as, uh, you know, one month's rent uh, upfront security. So. In New York, you know, it's definitely a tough market with the laws and regulations. No, I meant to the the broker, the real estate agent. Did you pay them once they got a tenant in place? Did you pay them? Didn't come out of my pocket. That was it was from the from the tenant. Yeah, they paid they paid the broker oh, for the one tenant month paid. upfront okay. and the one month brokerage fee. Yeah, nothing out of my pocket. Oh, interesting. Oh, huh. That's cool. Yeah, I've only seen on the other side where the actual landlord pays the broker, but to have I, the breaking more rules, Logan. Okay. I love it, man. Okay. I didn't know that actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, what you said too is very true in New York state where you can only charge, um, one month's rent for security deposit or less. You can't charge more than that. And you also can't charge last month's rent. And I actually had somebody text me the other day asking me this because 
their daughter was trying to get a unit and the landlord told them like, you're going to have to put a, you know, a higher security deposit down. And they were thinking like, I don't think you're true. So of course I get on, I get all the, <laughs> the government documents. I send it to them. Like they can't do that to you. <laughs> and also in regards to sec- section eight, there's also regulations with that. So believe it or not, I don't know if it's the same in all States, but in New York, it's secondly illegal to uh, take over the voucher amount. Um, so that's also legal. And I had some section eight people try to apply for the, for that third property. So how are you finding out all of this information? What are some great resources that somebody who's getting into property management can go and find everything that you've learned? Facebook groups are great. I learn a lot of information from the real estate rookie group and the bigger, uh, the Burr Invest group. Uh, lots of lots of groups in regards to real estate on Facebook. And then uh, naturally, there's also local meetups, that, which I'm sure are great for people as well. There's a few on Long Island. Um, and then also just naturally YouTube University, right? This Google University, uh, endless research. But, you know, you know, the, the big thing is that you can get all, you can gain all this knowledge, do all of your analysis and have all this information. But it's until you actually do it and execute that, you know, some of these unknowns and fears won't go away. Bigger pockets. <laughs> Bigger pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also just crack a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, but you know, I, I'm joking, but I'm also serious, right? Like, I think for for so many new investors, like the forums on Bigger Pockets, yep. it's like an encyclopedia of it's like a PhD of real estate investing. Like, almost any question that you can think about asking has probably already been asked, and someone has answered it in very high detail somewhere on the forums. And honestly, I think that's how I initially found Bigger Pockets. It's like I Googled some super obscure real estate something, and then I, I landed on one of the pages in the forums, and then that, that kind of sent me down the rabbit hole. So I love all the resources you you, uh, you talked about, Logan, but obviously just wanted to plug the forums. I think it's a great Absolutely. resource for, for new investors. So, Logan, uh, do you have a deal that you kind of want to go through the numbers with us? Sure thing. Uh, I think we can start with that first one because it, it's definitely the largest as far as cash flow and the return on investment. So I think we can definitely begin with that. Um, you know, my first deal, that was 20% down, single family unit, quite a small uh, two bedroom house. I think it's less than a thousand square feet. Uh, but again, you know, 213,000 at the time, I thought I was overpaying for it. It was at, that was after. What was that? Is that the asking price? It, uh, two fifteen was the actually it was two twenty four or five. We got it down to like two fifteen, then a two thousand dollar credit. Two thirteen was the the final price, and twenty uh, percent down. So all in, I think it was like sixty five, seventy grand all in with closing costs, and it didn't. It was pretty turnkey, right? It only needed uh, like replace the water heater and some minor. Uh, TLC, but nothing, nothing too big. And, you know, I can't necessarily speak for everyone, but I would say, especially for someone like myself, who's not necessarily uh, majorly uh, astute with, with handiwork and, and contracting, um, I would probably start with turnkey properties. You know, I probably wouldn't begin with a, with a major rehab project. That's just my opinion, but you know, everyone's different. Um, so turnkey property. And like I said, you know, with that situation, the tenant that was pretty much built into it, the, the owner, and I got it rented right away. It was occupied day one at closing. And uh, now it has appreciated like 30, 40% just in the last year, year and a half wow. because of the, what's going on in the market there. And what does the tenant pay for rent in that property? Right now, 2200 but that's way below market value, actually. And that's the one where the, it's the owners living in there? Correct. Sorry, $2,200 per month on a $213,000 house? That's right, but that's way below market value, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So you put seventy, you use seventy about seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah, about seventy grand all in with closing costs and the down payment. Tony, what's the cash on cash return on that? Yeah, what are you netting on that twenty two? Yeah, that is uh, insurance went up because the flood insurance is so high, especially in that area because it's such a risky flood zone. That's the only caveat, but uh, it's about uh, like six hundred bucks in cash flow a month. So that, that's a great deal. I would do anything to get that deal again and again. I would do it every day of the week. But the market has gone up so much, and obviously interest rates on top of that, it's just not feasible anymore. Yeah. But the percentage return is about like like 12%, 13% actually, the percentage. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's a that's a great first deal. And I'm I'm like super impressed that you're able to get such a high monthly rent amount on a comparatively speaking low purchase price. That's but That's you great, have to man. think about, too, that the property is in New York State where the property taxes are a lot higher. So it's very easy to hit the 1% rule where the rent is 1% of the purchase price or even higher than the 1% rule. But it's very hard to meet the 50% rule where your expenses are 50% of um, the monthly rental income. So. 
that's like a big thing to think too is those property taxes kill you. The flood insurance is a is a big risk too. So I don't I don't I don't know if you heard my story, Logan, but I also bought my second investment property was in a flood zone. And the first year we owned the property, the flood insurance premium was like super reasonable. The second year we owned the property, the flood insurance premium like quadrupled. So it was like a thousand bucks a year and it went up to like four thousand bucks a year. And we shopped it around to multiple different insurance brokers. They all came back with very similar quotes. I don't know what happened. I don't know if there, you know, Mercury must have been in retrograde or something, because there was some weird stuff happening like across the insurance industry, but that killed us on that deal. We ended up selling it um, at a loss, actually. So there was some risk with that. I'm trying to scare you, but yeah. you know. No, on this on my second property, that actually just happened where a few months ago I, I got the the renewal notice and it was double what I was paying just months before. And so I had to shop it around and got a little bit better of a rate, but yeah, it's definitely gone up. So there's, um, like I learned a lot about flood insurance as we were going through that. And, um, like there's this, there's a way to challenge the, the flood insurance, um, or I guess like the flood zone designation. It's a really lengthy process and, and we just didn't feel like going through it. But, um, if you talk to like your insurance agent, there is a way to challenge that flood zone designation. Like if you can prove there hasn't been any major floods or something like that, or there's like a map you have to pull from the FEMA website. And, but there is a process. It's just, it is pretty lengthy and the chances of success are really slim. So something to look into if you got the time. Yeah, I just got one of my bills yesterday, actually, that there's one property that's in a flood zone. I actually have it under contract to sell it right now, but it went up $400 for the year and went from uh, 1400 to 1800 And, you know, especially Long Island got hit very badly by Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Uh, everything was absolutely devastated. So that's we're definitely in a bad, risky flood area. Yeah, I did uh, two of my boot camp calls this week, and in both of them, the conversation came up as to how Hurricane Ian is changing Florida for insurance and how the premiums are just going to increase even more. And just like there is a cap on how much it can actually increase. But um, it was really interesting listening to a couple investors who invest in Florida talk about how that is going to impact them. And then also people who are homeowners, too. Um, and it's not just investment property. So insurance is... Definitely a uh, tricky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have my insurance license and I hate it so much. I don't, I don't understand half of it anymore. Cause I'm just like, don't stay on top of it. It's kind of like, you know, a, a, a CPA, like if they don't stay up to date on the tax laws and regulations, but I, I would say definitely shop tax. around, you know, shop around different agents yeah. and brokers and, you know, play around with the coverage and I think you'll get a better rate. You know, that would just be my advice, especially to people in flood areas, um, to shop around. And I think you'll get a better rate than you originally got. I think that's great advice too, especially play around with the coverage as to look at what you actually have on your policy. Is there like something in there that you don't think you would ever, ever use or ever come up that's, you know, even costing you a hundred bucks extra a year for the premium? But, um, yeah. So I think that's interesting. And then especially with it being an investment property, look at what, what your coverage is to, to replace the property. And I usually try to get it as like low because I actually might, if a, you know, a duplex or something was to burn down, I don't even actually know if I would rebuild it or if I would just sell the lot or something like that too. So where if it was like my primary residence, like, yes, I'd have to rebuild. That's so funny you mentioned that, Ashley, because uh, Omid, my partner, and I and Sarah, we were literally just having this conversation about insurance yesterday, and we said the opposite. It's like our properties have appreciated so much since we purchased them that if one of them did burn down, we're like undercovered right now. So Omid's going to do the work to like increase that replacement coverage. So if they do burn down, you know, we're not called holding the bag. A buddy of ours... He was building a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. Um, he was like two weeks away from it being completed. Um, once the property was going to be done, he was going to have like $300,000 in equity just because of his build costs versus where the properties were appraising at. One of the workers flicked a cigarette butt that ended up catching a, like some debris on fire, burned down the entire cabin. And his cover, he was undercovered. So now instead of having $300,000 in equity, he had to write a $50,000 check to cover that construction debt. So when when we heard that story, we're like, oh my God, like we're, you know, we got way too many properties to, to not be 
accurately covered. And Tony, I think you have to compare properties to where my $50,000 duplexes are not appreciating $300,000 in one year. That's true. That's true. My $3,000 appreciation, I can handle You can probably write that check. But also like for me to have to write a check, it's like I always make sure I at least have coverage for more than what the mortgage is. Uh, and that's like the priority to me is if it did burn down that I could pay off the mortgage on the property easily. So. Good conversation about insurance. Um, yeah. Let's go to the to the Ricky request line, Logan. So uh, for all our rookies, if you're listening, you guys can leave us a voicemail at any time. Just give us a call at 8885-ROOKIE to leave a voicemail. Uh, we love getting the voicemails, guys. We love the, the Facebook questions and we love the Instagram DMs, but the rookie voicemails are cool because we actually get to hear you guys. Um, so if you want your voice featured on the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, give us a call. 8885 rookie. So, Logan, are you ready for today's question? I think so. Hey guys, this is Reed from Brandon, Mississippi. When my wife and I moved out of our previous home, we kept it as a rental and are currently looking to purchase our next rental unit. Uh, the first house was already in our names and we left it that way. Moving forward, at what point do we want to start putting homes under a LLC or should we at all? Does the protection offered offset whatever pain there may be to purchasing? a home under a LLC. Uh, so just curious if and when we should move to a LLC. Loving the content, keep up the good work. So as far as my knowledge, an LLC doesn't necessarily prevent you from getting sued, right? Um, you know, there's still liability to be had there. Uh, but certainly, you know, I think a general rule of thumb, just from my analysis and what I've learned, I think, you know, once you reach that number of 10, I think you should start considering an LLC, maybe 20 units. But I, I think, uh, you know, for me, especially, and I don't know what, what the property values on, on his property are and what kind of issues he's dealing with. If it's a, you know, maybe it's a high crime area, you know, every, every circumstance would be different. Uh, not an attorney, but I think probably magic number of 10, 10 units. Yeah. So I, I think what you said there about the equity in the property too, because an LLC is to protect your assets so that if you are sued, they can't go after your personal assets. So really looking at the net worth that you're putting and the equity that you're putting in each LLC. So if I have, you know, two properties in an LLC, but they're both mortgaged to the hill and there's only $10,000 in equity, somebody sues me. Yeah. They, you know, my insurance can pay out, but there's only, you know, 10% of the equity in there. And that may say that's only $10,000, whatever. But if I have half a million dollars of equity of properties in there, and maybe that's only one property where I have half a million dollars in equity, I'm probably only going to put that one property in an LLC. But I have a, if I have a bunch of little properties, those 10, and they don't have a ton of equity in each of them, then yeah, I'll throw those into one LLC. So I think looking that just like what you said, and but adding in that component of how much do you want to risk putting into one LLC together. Okay, so Logan, we are going to move on to our rookie exam. Alrighty. First question is, what is one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? So the easiest thing I would I would definitely say is to start analyzing deals online and you know start really getting a, a concrete understanding of your market. And you know, you don't necessarily have to look outer state. You know, at first I I probably considered doing uh, something in New Jersey or Connecticut or Pennsylvania, because, you know, maybe I can get a much better deal there, but just start analyzing your local market and seeing how close you can get. And uh, certainly, you know, start playing around with those numbers, see what, what the cash on cash return looks like, uh, see what you can get for rents and just kind of do a market analysis, a market sweep of the area. I think that's something everything anyone could do right now. Great answer, Logan. Next question. What's one tool, app, software, or system that you use in your business today? I'm actually not much of a spreadsheet uh, techie guy. Uh, it's it's mostly just uh, everything's just on paper or in the mind. I actually don't use uh, too many apps or softwares. But um, as far as you know, knowledge and learning, uh, like you mentioned, bigger pockets for them is definitely something everyone everyone can use. I love that, man. See, I'm I'm like so the opposite. Like my brain. I need like a, I need lots of structure and like things like documented and regimented. Whereas my wife, she's the opposite. We're like everything just like kind of swirling around in her brain, but that like gives me anxiety. So we're, we're yin and, yin and yang like that. Logan, where do you plan on being in five years? So I think I definitely want to uh, experiment, you know, with, with larger complexes and 1031 exchanging into uh, longer, larger apartment buildings, hopefully getting into commercial real estate. So five plus units. 
that's certainly going to be tough in this area, but I think I can make it happen. And just basically doing everything I'm doing right now at scale, whether it's in business, whether it's my YouTube channel and doing content, branding, and real estate, uh, just everything, hopefully at a larger scale than exactly what I'm doing right now, though. Awesome. Well, great job, Logan, man. And I'm, I'm excited to see that journey take off, man. And the way you're crushing it, I'm sure you'll, you'll reach all those goals you've got. So before we close out today, I just want to give a quick shout out to our rookie rock star. And if you'd like to get shout outs, rookie rock star, uh, get active in the real estate rookie Facebook group on the real estate rookie uh, forum section on, on bigger pockets, uh, or you can slide into my DMs or Ashley's DMs. But today's rookie rock star is Isaiah Foster. And Isaiah says that his first business partner and and he closed on their first house flip last week. They purchased it for $100,000. They were all in for about one sixty, and they sold it for $265,000. Um, and what's crazy, this is what Isaiah says, is we have literally used none of our own money from this flip. They used two lines of credit um, and then a hard money loan to cover the entire purchase in the rehab. So congratulations to you, Isaiah, for crushing it with that first house flip. Well, Logan, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I have to be honest and tell you, I slept two hours last night. I've been working on this project. I just wanted to get it done. And that's why I was even a couple minutes late because I was hitting something on it to get it done. And I was like, man, I'm exhausted. But I have to tell you, listening to your story and talking with you, like I am all pumped up again. Like <laughs> I can pull another all nighter. So uh, just thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. You are super cool. And um I'm sure all of our listeners are going to appreciate hearing your story, getting tons of motivation like me. Um, so can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Sure thing. Mainly active on Instagram and YouTube. So Instagram is at Logan Cone. Sounds like ice cream cone, but spelled K-O-H-N. And then YouTube is the same name, Logan Cone. That, that is where I am mostly putting content and mostly active. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Logan. We really appreciate it. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.